0: to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network, where we dive deep into Bo's most nocturnal work, five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Reuben Morehouse. Hey, that's me. And uh, this chapter begins uh, with Evan getting Wait, suitably... hold, on, ex- hold huh? on.
1: before we Before we talk about oh, the um, yes. chapter, uh, we, we have a big, very exciting... I, I think I speak for both of us when yep. I say we're very excited to so excited, this, yeah. Um... And uh, But we'll be making that announcement tomorrow, uh, so keep your eye on the U- the Doof YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll probably post it in the podcast feed as well, but for the full experience, you're going to want to uh, be on YouTube. Yeah, and look, uh, we'll
0: so- discuss it in our next episode a little bit as well, probably, yes. but still, go check out the YouTube channel tomorrow, and you'll see a very exciting announcement.
1: Yeah, so probably about 24 hours after this episode airs, uh, head on over to the YouTube channel and uh, check it out.
0: Yeah. Now can we talk Uh, about the dragon, Elliot? Very well. (laughs) All right, all right. So this chapter (laughs) begins, as it should, with Evan, as we all do, getting excited that there's a flying fire creature that definitely exists in this universe, so there's hope for him yet, but it's a dragon, (laughs) so it's a mixed bag.
1: I I do quite like how Evan is used as the voice of the reader here because I'm assuming most people were at this point thinking, cool, dragon? Like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Uh, And especially because, you know, Pact's going to put its own sort of spin on a dragon so i think everyone was pretty excited to see what this would be so i like how Evans just sort of used to capture that
0: yeah this is something i really love about uh, the first little bit of this chapter, is they're all kind of struggling, Tiff is struggling specifically, to explain why a dragon is so much worse than what people would think of when they think of a dragon. And <laughs> and basically, what she really wants to say is, no, this is packed, it's going to be worse. <laughs> but she obviously can't say that because she's not fucking Deadpool or whatever. Um but I, I absolutely love the way that she just struggles to convey, like, no, 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 we're in a world where everything's worse than you might think it is.
1: Um, yeah, and I mean, especially because Evan is just sort of doing the old, uh, oh, it's just like in the video games I used to play, bit uh, which he's done to Rose as well, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, Evan's kind of whole thing is not letting things go, so of course he's he's back on this bandwagon, and um, yeah, I wait, the I I do like how later on we won. There's this sort of sense of oh, no, there's so much more variety and stuff to dragons, but it's very hard to convey that in this situation because this is literally just a giant fire-breathing tank. Like, it's the yeah. it's the quintessential dragon yeah. uh, from, from, like, Western mythology. And, uh, like, so it's extra hard to explain this. Like, no, 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 this isn't, like, what all dragons are like, but, yes, this one is.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a nightmare situation for her to explain. Um, hmm. And... I mean, I think we're going to hit this beat a fair amount throughout this chapter, but the dragon is very, there's a lot of interesting stuff done to take this concept of, you know, a D&D dragon and turn it into this kind of horrifying animalistic thing. Um, it, this one does yeah. feel very like kind of primal as opposed to a more like Smaug kind of Machiavellian dragon that you might see in a D&D game or in The Hobbit or whatever. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, like I I use the word machines here a lot in the notes. Like it just feels like a, a a war machine. Yeah. Um. And what the closest thing I can think of to the fight scene that we see here in this chapter, because this is mostly a, a fighting scene chapter. Uh can is you the even fighting call in... it a fight? I don't know. Well, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it's a um, running away well... <laughs> from things chapter. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Exactly. Like the closest thing I can think of is sort of when bike went up against Hilda, but that was. A lot less one-sided and uh, damaging than this. Like um, you know, even fighting big unimaginable things like Ur, there was this sense of there were safe zones that you could hide out with. Yeah, hide, hide out. And same with the um, the hyena. This is just a giant machine that can kill them in the open, can kill them in enclosed spaces. It's relentless. It, it's there's no weak points, and it's just all they can do is book it. Like, that, they really feel so outmatched here yeah. in a way that, like, in a story where they've never felt like they've been in a particularly strong position, they feel particularly outmatched against this, this adversary.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would compare this to Hilda is a good comparison, Ur is probably a pretty good comparison, um, that time the astrologer summoned a giant Greek hero, but, but this kind of makes them all seem smaller in comparison, right? Because this dragon mm. is just so... Clearly, not not even like they just can't do anything.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. Like they very much just feel like mice yeah. running away from from a giant dragon. Yeah, There's still a dragon in this metaphor.
0: Yeah, um, and so Pact <laughs> does. Uh, This kind of classic trope against fighting a dragon where they run away and they get into a kind of enclosed space where the dragon can't chase them because it's too big. And of course, the next thing that happens is the same thing that happens every time someone does this against a dragon, which is it breathes fire in this enclosed space. (laughs) And you know, I'm kind of waiting for the oh, Blake ducks behind a trash can as fire licks past him, narrowly avoiding him kind of deal. But I love the way this plays out. It's so like. I I think the way to describe it is, you know, dragon and giant are concepts that you kind of have in your head and, you know, you've seen them I I certainly saw them in a lot of things growing up, Lord of the Rings, and I actively played D and D, so obviously, you know, one of the Ds stands yeah. for dragon. Um and it's such a it's a, it's such a hard job to take something that is such a well-known and established concept and make it horrifying but goddamn this chapter does it like (laughs) (laughs) this dragon basically spews napalm at them and we really see the visceral horrifying effects of this um the trash can lid that Blake hides behind gets melted onto his body and it's kind of like oh yeah fuck (laughs)
1: um yeah what there's there's something just extra terrifying and visceral about the way it's like just flammable liquid coming out of the dragon's mouth. Like it's not, it's not a gas or something that it's igniting. Like I've seen in the past, it just kind of feels like this dragon is almost leaking liquid flame from its mouth. And it's just such terrifying imagery. And I think that that's really what sells this first part. Like I love how the, the incoming fire breath is delivered in, in the text. It's not just like, you know, oh, there's a fireball coming. It's like Blake is like, oh, cool, we're safe in the alley. Yeah, and it's just like there was an orange glow coming from from the entrance to the alley, and you're like, oh, yeah. Fuck. And Blake's like, <laughs> oh, fuck, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and then yeah, you're right. I kept expecting Blake to to just make it around the corner or something, but um, this is packed. I should know better by now. Uh, yeah. he he just gets got.
0: It actually reminds me of acid in the in its functionality. It's not a fire that is just kind of burns mm. and then you put yourself out. It's this acid that disintegrates everything that it touches. Um,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: It's horrifying. So, yeah, then we basically... Then it kind of transitions into this vibe of, you know, a bomb has just dropped and and everything's gone white. And Blake is kind of immediately disoriented and trying to figure out what's going on and we as as being in blake's pov kind of um uh stop being able to effectively follow what's going on because blake isn't able to effectively follow what's going on it just turns into this mess of heat and movement and you can't really understand it which sells sells the effect of this fire very well (laughs)
1: Absolutely. I mean it, it feels disorienting in the way that it's like, okay, this is meant to be very disorienting. Like I was reading it and even the second time through I was like, I don't really understand what direction Blake is facing here, but it's like that's the point is neither does Blake. Yeah. Uh and you're you're right, that comparison to like like a bomb going off in, in like a World War II movie or something is just like I was I noticed the second time I was going through this, I was picturing ringing in the ears as this was happening. That's never mentioned in the text. I added that myself. There's
0: no loud noise or anything, but you just immediately are put into this mindset of like, yeah, the bomb's just dropped and nobody quite is able to figure it out.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like uh, my brain just added ringing ears to it because the the scene mapped so well to the idea of like the disorientation after a bomb or a flashbang's gone off. Yeah. Um... It's yeah, it, it's, it's just and just as Blake is slowly taking stock of um what's happening to his his body, you're just sort of like wow, like this is like this is bad.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh yeah, it's real bad. Um, so Blake and Green Eyes are the two that are hit by it. Um, which of course Blake made out of wood, uh, Green Eyes made out of uncooked fish. So they're they're the two <laughs> most uh, affected by it, um, and they're basically like immediately disfigured um and have to be dragged Mm. out of the alley by peter and one of the main ads and everyone kind of gathers around them and we kind of as we start to regain our senses
1: in this scene we start to realize just how bad shape they're both in yes because as we're about to learn dragon fire just doesn't go out it's so sort of pure that it's just i mean as you said it's like acid it's just kind of permanently there I really like the moment where as they're sort of being dragged out of the alley, green eyes and Blake are both more concerned for each other than themselves. Um, uh, I mean, there's a bit of work done throughout this disaster section of the first half of the chapter to kind of really reaffirm for us. Um, I mean, their relationship, I'm just going to call it a relationship. Yeah. Now. Like that's, that's what it is. Blake hasn't figured that out yet, but that's fine. <laughs> it's, it's Blake. He'll get yeah. there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really nice. Um, and then, the other thing I wanted to call out from here is Blake has a whole paragraph dedicated to talking about how he you know how weird it is that he's not afraid and obviously this is something that the story has been talking about since oh, like, like late arc 9 so like since he became detached from the sense that he was human um how he he doesn't feel fear in the same way and I I mean it's just interesting because like every time the book brings it up I, I I'm still not quite sure I fully sort of understand what it, what it means. Like even just mechanically, like Mm. the, the concept of being in this sort of situation and not feeling fear, but still feeling like you've just been lit on fire and you need to get away from a dragon. Like, I guess I'm struggling to discern the uh, significant difference between those two things. It's, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's true.
1: I, 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 it kind of gives me the impression that Blake doesn't fully understand it either.
0: He kind mm. of he treats it as a, a realization that he's like, oh, I'm actually not like I'm feeling conceptually that I might die, but I'm not afraid by it.
1: Yeah, like I think I, I think the closest I've sort of gotten is like maybe understanding that there's this concept. If he doesn't get the the panic or any any sort of paralysis or yeah or you know the adrenaline rush from fear, it's just kind of like his boogeyman version of himself. Sort of understands academically that there's danger and he needs to get away or whatever, but there's no, there's none of the panic and the freezing that's associated with that, I guess.
0: Yes. I think we do see that in his reaction to Green Eyes, which, which I like. Um, mm. And, and yeah. I kind of like it's interesting because I kind of feel the same way as Blake does, right? Like we as, readers are kind of trained by stories in general to know, okay, Blake's the protagonist and he's already come back from death, you know, two and a half times or whatever. Like <laughs> I, 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 am I'm kind of no, not worried about him dying per se, but you know, I, I have faith that no matter how much damage he takes, there's still going to be Blake as a character in some form. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but seeing green eyes in pain, is like oh fuck, like this is now real stakes. It's interesting. That's how Blake must feel, and that's kind of how I conceptualize his feelings is by relating it to what we as the as the audience feel for him.
1: Um, yeah, y- y- yeah, you're right because I kind of felt the same. I was like, okay, so I know Blake's like going to come out of this in some shape or form. Yeah, and oh boy, does he? <laughs> y- yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I obviously worry about what the cost is going to, to be, and and you know, here there's a there's a fairly high one. Um, but you're right, the fact that Green Eyes is in trouble, especially as we've just sort of said, it's, it's really starting to feel like they're in a bit of a relationship now. I'm sort of like, oh, no, WAPO's going to take it away. Yeah. Um. And, yeah, so you're, you're right, that was sort of much more like where my worry was, whereas with, with Blake, it's just sort of a general like, oh, God, what is this going to cost now? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, uh, so, so basically... This fire is just going to keep
0: burning, and so the only real way to deal with a part of you that's on fire is amputation. Uh, so Tiffany puts her shovel to Blake's arm joint and stumps down
1: on it to sever his arm, does the same uh, thing, severs his leg. So I think it's actually the main ad who does.: Oh, most sorry. Of it. Yes, fair enough. Just because she she makes a comment later about how she got her pound of flesh, and as she said that, I was thinking, well, in a, in a manner of speaking. I'm not sure if there's a whole pound of flesh left in Blake at the yes. moment. Um, so
0: they we get this kind of gruesome scene of each of Blake's limbs being stomped and severed as they're describing just how horrible Green Eyes' situation is. And then they turn the shovel to Green Eyes' face and we get this stomping and it's horrifying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically there's this awful little fake out where Wabo, with with great malice of Thor thought, uh, tricks us into thinking that they've killed her. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's okay. They they only just chopped off half her head. Yeah. Um, which, in boogeyman language, is just kind of a, you know, it's just like going to the dentist. Yeah, apparently. exactly.
0: It's painful, but it'll grow back. And, and it's so adorable <laughs> the way Green Eye reacts to it, right? She she holds up her hand in front of the disfigured half of her face to hide it from Blake because she doesn't want him to see, you know, half of her face missing. <laughs>
1: um yeah and and then uh the the faceless woman helps her sort of yes comb comb the hair over (laughs) the missing half of the head and there's sort of this lopsided smile and it's just it's very endearing how kind of hardy she seems in this moment
0: yeah so that's our second beat of the faceless woman helping green eye with her like grooming right and i'm so nervous to see what that third (laughs) beat is gonna be
1: I, I don't know, I, I weirdly ever since we we met her on the Revenant again at the start of Arc Ten, I've been kinda on board with the faceless woman. I weirdly trust her and <laughs> you know, oh. I guess I'm here to be proven wrong, but uh Yeah I, I don't know. She seems I mean, you know, she seemed kind of violent and, and prone to accidental murderings um in Arc Ten, but, but don't you know, we ne- all? <laughs>
0: Isn't well, that interesting? Mean,
1: like you know that was three arcs ago, now, Blake and, Grey and I are kind of on that level, yeah, so you know,
0: yeah, um, so again, I kind of want to call out that Evan is just like totally chill with everything that happens here, <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah, that's a really good point he uh he speaks up when they first sort of like when they first get dragged out of the and he's like, "Oh, Blake, don't go into the light, and then when they're you know about to. To, or just after they've turned the shovel on Green Eye, uh he just kind of like is like, Oh, you know, this is bad. Yeah. But for the most part he just kinda of rolls with it and it's just like, okay, this seven year old boy is Yeah, you is just cool chill with, with like this.
0: cutting off half a face and like, you know, to the painting Blake.
1: <laughs> yeah, how much uh how much best did Blake give him back in Arc 11? <laughs>
0: Too much, I think is the answer. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, the emergency shovel surgery's out of the way. And from there, the team agrees that, okay, we've got to keep moving, because now the dragon is hunting us, and we basically can't defeat it. Um, and, and Tiffany now is able to give some more exposition on what a
1: dragon is. Yeah, and I mean, the TLDR is... They're pretty fucked.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of a a thing that feeds into itself, kind of building off of its own ideas and becoming more incestuous until it kind of becomes this feral kind of concept, which then... Uh, seems to tap into existing mythology around dinosaurs or lizards and becomes kind of dragon-esque seems like the summary
1: yeah well i i like this explanation that the reason they're kind of big and 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 lizardy is basically because the imagery is coming from the memory of the dinosaurs which is obviously Mm. like that's a long time ago and i think that's a great way to link like you know there's obviously the real world comparison between um dragons and, and dinosaurs and in fact yeah. I like, there's lots of theories on that's where the myths come from um but the the idea that in universe as well it draws this line between them being such like a pure form of of like this expression that they're drawing from memories that are 65 million years old yeah um like i like to me that just really gives this sense of how natural and and pure and powerful they are it it kind of reminded me conceptually of
0: something like uh like petrol being or oil being formed or like maybe a diamond as another form of that like Mm. something that is a a condensation of this one thing like carbon let's say for a diamond that kind of feeds and is condensed and condensed until it becomes this purest form of its thing and now it's like (laughs) you know it's formed into that pure essence that is now kind of well beyond what it started as
1: Ah, i love that yeah that's that's perfect um and, 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 yeah, because, I mean, that's basically, like, a, I think that even the term, like, positive feedback loop is yeah. used to describe a dragon. And, and I mean, it's great because, obviously, it seems like dragons could take many forms. In fact, I, I couldn't help but, like, connect this to what's happening to Molly. Yeah. Um, obviously, she really seems like, it's not like she's a god because nobody's worshipping her. In fact, everyone kind of wishes she'd just fuck off. Well, not yet. Um, but, yeah, but, like, that's the thing. She, she seems to more be rolling with the role she's defining for herself than everyone else is. Um, so I could see how she could start to become one of these snarls and you know maybe in the future she'll be, she'll look like a giant wizard that is about you know negativity and revenge. Yeah. Um, but like yeah, just the idea of these things like Pacts has dealt so much with like incarnations of concepts or concepts that feed on themselves and, and 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 stuff like that, and this is such a such a dark variant on that idea of like just an instance of something. That feeds on itself so much that it mutates and becomes just this mindless machine of of destruction attributed to whatever symbols it originally came from.
0: Yeah, it's a very cool way of getting to Dragon, right? In a way that Mm. ties it back to the underlying systems of Pact in a very fulfilling way.
1: Yeah, yeah
0: um, there's this line where, where they're talking about, you know, needing a very strong power, something like a God to, to be a champion of, to fight against a dragon. And Evan's response is, we totally have a God, Evan says, don't we? And I love the idea of Blake becoming like a patron or a, like a a paladin of Molly as a God. (laughs) Like that would be such a funny way for this story to go.
1: I, I mean, I, I assumed Evan meant Dionysus, but you're right. The idea of, um, uh, of of Blake becoming some sort of servant of of his cousin the God yeah um would be such a bonkers concept to explain to someone who's into like arc three of the story um also he's a tree now um <laughs> yeah um I, I mean I I like this idea so obviously the the way to defeat dragons is again you know Wabos found a way to work in the old you know the knight takes down the dragon yeah by explaining it as yeah but they they had a god kind of cheating for them yeah. Uh, which is which is fun, and it's like the dragons don't have an opposite. Like that's something that he specifically talk about. You have, um, you know, fairies and goblins can be sort of uh, attacked with the opposite, whereas dragons mm. don't have an opposite. They're such a pure expression of their thing. It's just like you kind of have to outdo them. And, yeah. and that it it really builds on the sense from the first half of the chapter of look how overpowered we are with this sense of like okay, but the, you know, there's no clever tricks for this one. So many other others we've beaten with clever tricks. This one is just. No, you just have to outdo it. You just have um, to be
0: stronger than it.
1: Yeah, which you are absolutely not.
0: Yep, evidently. Um, and so we haven't really touched on it yet, but I, this is Johannes, right? And Blake has this thought: mm-hmm. this is Johannes's power. Like Blake kind of is like, well, what the fuck? Um, I like, yeah, he's pretty. <laughs> he now I understand why one guy is like able to stand up to two whole families.
1: Yeah, like to be honest, the more we see this, the more I'm like, so what would the Duchamps gonna do here against the giant with the pet dragon? Um especially because I want to talk about the, the the giant quickly as well, because cause I think the dragon's sort of the focus of both the chapter and the exposition, but yep. the giant has this really interesting angle that I've never seen before, where it's endangered, so like you will, you know, get hate from a lot of groups around the world if you kill the giant because you're not meant to kill endangered things even if it's like attacking you which is just such a it's just such a like i've never seen anything like that i was just like that's such a fun concept of you've got to fight this thing but you can't touch it because it's an endangered species yeah um yeah and and i mean it's because
0: it's it's elliot it's because um because dragons beat castle doctrines does that
1: work as a joke i i Good joke. I have no idea. I have no idea what you have. All right, never mind. What, what sorry. Tweet
0: us if that, you like that joke, because...
1: that guys. Might, that might work and it's just built on something I have no idea about. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like this because, like, Johannes' domain as well is the thing that we've directly tied to, like, this idea that humans are taking over and changing the world and, and you know, affecting others on a sort of global scale and and you know that's obviously like a, a it's a fairly simple transition to make that about climate change mm. and and so the idea that one of the weapons of this guy who's kind of building a a nature sanctuary is an endangered, <laughs> an endangered <species>. animal yeah <laughs> is is really cool
0: yeah 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 it's fun it's very fun um and it, it like it does help to frame johannes as very different to to the other people we faced because he's got like, you know, this kind of medieval mythology isn't something we've really touched. The closest we've gotten mm. is like these Greek heroes from the astrologer, but this kind of D&D style mythology we haven't really approached. And so it's nice to see that kind of being setting, set up on Johannes' side as a way to differentiate his kind of thing.
1: Yeah, well, in, in creating a place that's just like the good old days, he's gotten a bunch of others that are quite rare and represent the good old days from the looks yeah. of it. Which yeah. is like gonna be fantastic when we see more of them, I guess.
0: Yeah. Um so the dragon kind of flies around looking for them and they kind of keep moving around until the giant comes lumbering past and kind of sniffs them out, smells the blood of a of an <laughs> Englishman, and grabs a truck and throws it at them, and then calls back its pet, the dragon.
1: I I, I love how you kind of assume the giant is gonna be like lumbering and, and a bit dim-witted. Yeah. And it, it comes up it, it comes up very quietly and you're sort of like, oh shit, okay, so I had this thing pegged completely wrong. Yeah. Which perfectly sets us up for about four lines later when you come to the realization it fully knows where they are and like I just like how hey, you sort of hit with this one-two punch of everything you assumed about the giant is just completely wrong.
0: Yeah, because it says like fur or something in some you know giant language and peter makes a joke about fee-fi-fo-fum and then you yeah. realize it's calling in the dragon and you're like oh <laughs> shit it's it's much smarter than we ever credit for yeah exactly um, I, I think i
1: think walbo <laughs> plays on the expectations you have coming into this here to to kind of wipe the floor with them
0: yeah i love the the fact that uh when it's revealed that the giant is like the dragon tamer it, peter's like Peter says, almost obvious in retrospect, which is like, yeah, yeah. like it's quick <laughs> enough that you don't put it together, but then you're just kind of like, yeah, of course, why wouldn't it be? Y-
1: yeah. Like I-, I like it. Like it- I just was like, oh man, I've been thinking so like um, practitioner normatively, like I assume when I hear it's got a master, it's going to be a practitioner, but like, why did I assume that? Of course it could just be the giant because they're budding up together. Like, yeah. It, it's, it's exactly what peter says just kind of like oh yeah i
0: sure like of course yeah um so yeah the giant and dragon attack and basically the party realizes it's either split up or get a tko which is not how this situation usually goes usually if you do split the party you do get a tko but in this chance they want to split the
1: party to not get a tko um well so- i think to be fair like a good a good dungeon master would stop this situation happening to a party where they're so incredibly outmatched
0: (laughs) yeah this is like a a giant and a dragon up against a party of what level threes and a few level twos
1: oh if that yeah
0: um what is is blake a druid i guess blake is a druid right he's mastering (laughs) spirits he feels like a a, like a level two or three druid um anyway he says to peter leave me run take cover and peter just does it which is hilarious (laughs) because this must be the first time in like stories in general that somebody just follows that advice
1: no there was um there was a bit in arc was it arc 12 that there was a there was one time where blake had like a boogeyman or something under him and he was like oh just leave me and and they did and he was like oh good finally someone who doesn't question me and God, what was it i don't well, remember obviously i've forgotten there was a time where he had someone who we knew wasn't really on his side and he was like thankful that they were just doing like something horrible to him, and he was like, "Oh, this is so nice, uh, to have someone who finally listens to me when I ask them to, like, you know, mutilate my body." Um, oh, it was, was
0: it was like cutting him with a knife or something.
1: Yeah. Oh no, it was um, it was Pordrig, uh back in arc seven um when with when he was taking the place of Maggie. Yeah. He was that's like, right. "Oh, oh, Maggie, like, cut me and used my blood or whatever," and and Maggie was just like, "Oh, okay," and he's like, "Oh, this is so nice to have someone <laughs> yeah. who just." will cut me on, on yeah, request. And
0: that was Podrick. So in retrospect that doesn't uh mean that it should be done. It kind of is a hint that maybe that's not a good sign.
1: Yeah, exactly. And Peter's given off the same vibes here where it's like go on, leave me and Peter's like, "Yep. Sure. Peter like, it just or Just him on the street.
0: Podrick,
1: am I right? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, now we're waiting for the big three beat of the of the Podrick impersonating <laughs> someone. Um um yeah. yeah, so
0: so something else that has been a running theme throughout this chapter is Blake kind of noticing damage that is basically too much to possibly explain away to the muggles in town when they finally wake up. And it's yeah. it kind of brings up a good point of like, is the town now damaged enough that the you know, Alistair said when he was talking about delaying the dawn that when people wake up, they're just going to leave the town. So <laughs> so not only do we have to deal with Johannes and the mysterious puppeteer, but we also have to, like, clean up before the parents wake up.
1: <laughs> um, it, yeah, I mean, it's something he wasn't really thinking about until Alistair gave us that speech uh, last chapter. And you're right. Now, Blake's sort of looking around and noticing this, and he's like, man... We're not going to be able to explain or fix any of this. Like it really kind of feels like we've gone past the point of no return already. And just watching more damage, this is kind of like okay, well, now you know we're even more past the point of no return. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. It's not a great sign for J's B. Um, So.
0: Blake basically dives through the window of a clothing store to get out of the line of sight of this giant. And it works because he's so badly injured that the giant just mistakes him for some trash wood lying on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he begins to put himself back together. He gives himself a pirate peg leg to go along with the bird that rides on his shoulder. And then he realizes, hold on, I've got a good idea. Why not grow some wings? Now, where did that idea
1: come from again? (laughs) god damn it blake god damn it yeah just when i thought things were starting to go well i mean you know not this chapter obviously this chapter did not go well but as in just when i thought blake had kind of peaked out on going monstrous and it felt like he was coming a bit more back to being human he's just sort of like hmm yes uh i was a scary winged monster at one point better uh better do that again. Yeah,
0: so can we just run through this nightmare? Some of the things in it were Blake hunted down and and you know fe- feasted on some humans was one. Check. Blake uh was in a relationship with Green Eyes, that's
1: two. Check. Blake had wings, that's three. Yep, now check. So um, has this
0: has this vision just come to pass? Like <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, the only thing that was different is I—I I think he was less wooden in the vision, and he was still in the drains. Yes, but, it's even worse um, than the vision. Yeah, so uh, like you, you can't help but feel that this is the final thing and just completing the prophecy. Um, because yeah, like, I, and, and I mean, that's the thing—is back when this vision happened in oh God, like I want to say nine point six. Mm. Um, it—it it was so unimaginably horrible to think that he would end up as this monster that we saw in the vision and it's only now that he's putting on the wings that i've realized that we're at the point where i was just kind of like oh no not this last tiny scrap don't do don't do this last yeah bit. uh like it, it's really been such a such a downward spiral uh he's gone down the, the past few arcs
0: yeah um and we'll see how far that spiral can go i suppose
1: y- yeah i mean that that said like I'm very torn on this because I, I hate what it symbolizes, like him taking on this role from the Drains. But also, this sounds like it's going to be fucking cool. Like if Blake can fly next chapter, and there's going to be aerial combat, wait, like, that's going to be fucking cool. Yeah. Um. So hopefully, hopefully the coolness outweighs the symbolic horror. Um, yeah. It's packed, so it's going to be just plenty of both.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it'll be a bit of both. <laughs> Yeah, so that's the end of uh DA 14.3, but it's not yet the end of our episode, uh, because we've been... Well, why don't you introduce it, Elliot?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I think we talked about it a, a week ago, um, just sort of in 13.x uh, how how silly some of the Baham names are. Um, so I, I've sort of tried to do a bit of a dive and, and see if I can figure out where these names are coming from. Um to be honest, I came up a bit empty, but um there's some fun things in here to talk about. So yeah. um I I we can dive into it. Um
0: Alright, so give us the Bahame name game.
1: Yeah. Uh so first off the rack, it's Laird, um, uh, which is Scottish. And that's a bit of a theme. About eighty percent of these names are Scottish. Mm. Um and it means Lord of the Land. Like it's it's basically a title. Like um the the definition compares it to being a baron. Mm. um so it's it's more common as a surname which again is just a trend for old names really Mm. uh but yeah basically it's you know i I think it's appropriate that the guy who was in charge of the family when we met him his name lou just sort of translates to like a a someone who owns land (laughs) i like that um Uh. then we have amon who's the only irish name that i noticed um, and, and it just means wealthy protector, uh, mm. which again seems very fitting for kind of the role he, uh, he had, uh, more so than, than Laird, um, since he was just kind of the protector of the wealth and couldn't use it. Mm. Um, and it's a, and so apparently Eamon is actually like the Irish version of Edmund, which is obviously like a very old, uh, British name. Like there's lots of lords and stuff with that name and, um, like the antagonist in King Lear. There's lots of Shakespeare coming up in this segment. So, mm. uh. You know, that sense of the Bahames picking a bunch of really old names, like, I think the trend I've noticed is they take an old um, British sort of name that appears in the names of lots of kings or popes or, or um, like, sort of famous old characters, and they just kind of twist it a little bit to to make, like, basically to pick out an even older seeming archaic version of it. Mm. Like, you know, as if Edmund isn't already kind of the archaic version of Edward, they go another step and they make it Aemon right <laughs> um same with like alistair is is sort of the you know the older form of alistair or uh alexander as well and so obviously you know you've got alexander the great and, and there's lots of famous alexanders who were rulers um i think alexander the great seems like a very appropriate connotation for alistair considering his whole chosen one yeah conqueror vibe yeah um yeah
0: I like that. I, I like the, how it sets up the generations and, and the names very kind of clearly reinforce the roles that these generations have played.
1: Yeah. Well, like, I like, sort of a thread that's been going here is, you know, Laird was a title. Eamon was like, you know, he's the wealthy protector. Uh, Alistair actually sort of translates to, like, Defender of Men type thing. Mm. Um, and, and then next up, we sort of have Ainsley. Uh, <laughs> and Ainsley... His name it just kind of translates to one's own meadow, which, um you know, for the girl who keeps getting compared to cows, um <laughs> seems seems kind of morbidly hush, fitting. Hush. Um, like, it, it, for me, it really reinforces this idea of all the leaders of this family have kind of powerful leadership names, and then Ainsley is just, you know, she's a meadow. Um, yeah. she is the land you know if 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 Laird is the lord of the land she is the land
0: yeah she's just the it's very much a commoner kind of uh connotation. Yeah. which is interesting because there are a few Bahames that just have like you know uh like more traditional uh names non scottishy kind of names and it's interesting that ainsley has has quite a distinctive name. More so than like a Duncan or a Craig, but um, or, or what was yeah. the one? Tim was the other potential candidate yes. for lordship, <laughs> which was hilarious. Um, well,
1: I think I think what's interesting is um, like with those ones like Craig and, and Ben, they're all usually shorthand versions of other sorts of names, mm. and, and I, I mean I I think that's sort of a bit of a trend here is like for some of the younger ones they get some of these obscure names like so for instance to look at ben who was like the the older uh gentleman that that blake had some conversations with um you know like ben could mean it could be short for benjamin uh which is sort of the more common modern one or it could be short for benedict uh which is you know this very old very papal sort of name Mm. now like i would lean in that direction assuming that they've picked the more obscure thing and so it's like you know for some of these behames, you get a fucking weird name and you just shorten it to something somewhat normal. Yeah. Like you uh Yeah, and like, you know, I think some of them, yeah. I think what they've done is just taken their weird ass names and tried to turn it into something that's passable at school.
0: Yeah, but I, I see I like that as a like it's a it's such a great shorthand for summing up some a very basic character trait, which is they don't want to rock the boat. They want to be able to blend in, right? Mm. Whereas you have mm. Alastair and even Ainsley, who are kind of like, "No fuck you, I'm a behame and I'm gonna be in your face with it <laughs> like I kind of like that yep. as a as a a neat shorthand way of saying, yes we are here for our for our for our you know for our culture and for our family, but we're also not just gonna play by the rules
1: yeah yeah um so I, I, some other ones I want to pull out like just quickly Duncan it, it sort of means dark warrior um, which <laughs> come on Duncan. Yeah, that's again. Know, close Closer to the donuts, uh, in, in my point of view. Uh, but, um, you know, again, another Shakespearean king, uh, I think from Macbeth, um, yeah, and some, some real life kings, but yeah. And I mean, from there, there's just kind of like, you know, Elspeth is like the obscure old version of Elizabeth. Mm. Um, you, you know, obviously we, we talked about like, um, Abernathy, mm. um, so yeah i I don't know i just the the general theme here for most of the baham names i guess is you you take sort of an you you take a famous sort of name with a lot of power and put this kind of archaic twist on it
0: yeah yeah i like that 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 definitely feels like the Bahames to me yeah yeah um cool thanks for some baham name game uh and i i (laughs) guess that brings us to the end of uh, 14.3 so thanks for joining yep. us everybody i uh, remember we're doing a discussion thread currently which uh, you can leave your answers to in our sorry a discussion question which you can leave your answers to in our discussion thread and that question is what other places might have sunk into the abyss um, and we've hit a few yes. of the uh a few of the ones that i thought would come up the Roanokes and the uh the um uh, um and i'm excited to see some more so if you have answers for that leave it in our discussion thread which you will find linked down below
1: Absolutely. Uh, and if you, if you head on over to Twitter and follow at MediaMD Podcast, you'll get updates on all the latest things coming up. Um, we'll definitely be posting a tweet to the big announcement we talked about at the start of the episode. Yep. Uh, as well as, you know, all the live reads and such.
0: Yep. Um, so make sure you follow us at, at MediaMD Podcast to uh, catch that. Um, you can also catch all the news on the Doof Media website, uh, com. Um, which is not just a place to see cool announcements, which you may do sometimes, but also a place to catch all the other great podcasts on the Doof Media Network. Um, uh, the episode, the final, it's the final one, right? The final M. Night Shyamalan Deconstructing Directors episode of the Doofcast is uh, about to come out, um, and that's talking about M. Night Shyamalan's movie Glass, so I'm um, excited to see the reaction to that one.
1: Yeah, I, I still haven't seen any of the Glass split. Is it Unbreakable? It's Unbreakable, like a weird, yeah. Very. It's like a prequel trilogy.
0: to Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, I think.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um. I should watch it then. Um. <laughs> yeah. So. So you know. Uh, I'm. I'm excited to sort of see the, the final thoughts on on Shyamalan as they as they hit the end of his. Cinematic journey. Well, the current yes. Is, you know, he well, there's stop. <laughs>
0: there's more. Um, he's got a show a TV show on on the Apple TV thing. I forgot yes. what it's called. I was in the ads for
1: it. Actually, looks pretty good,
0: Elliot. Now, I have a question for you. Who do you think would win in a fight between Unbreakable Bruce Willis and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt?
1: Well, obviously, having not seen. Uh, Unbreakable, Bruce Willis. But having seen the Die Hard films, yeah. I'd have to go with Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, no, she I just, think so too. She just destroys him with his with so she destroys him with her positive attitude.
0: And she 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 can kind of like I don't want to turn this into a thread on you know R slash uh, who would win or whatever, but
1: it's um, a bit late for that.
0: Or R slash respect threads or whatever. But I do think <laughs> Kimmy Schmidt. Like there are times in the show when she just kind of hulks out. Uh, at one point, literally, <laughs> and um, and I just I just have a good feeling that she'd be able to take down Mister Unbreakable, or whatever the fuck his name is. Oh,
1: maybe we'll see. Maybe that's maybe that's what Shaman has cooking up right now. Yeah, yeah, that's um. the next movie. <laughs> so, um, if, if you want more discussion like this, um, <laughs> and if you don't, I don't blame you. Uh, but there's this sort of discussion. There's also good discussion over at our uh, the the Doof Discord which you can access via patreon.com forward slash doofmedia. Yeah, um, that's one of the many, many perks that you can get if you back the
0: Doof Media Network at various levels. So head on over to the Patreon to check that out. And while you're on Patreon, why don't you check out the Patreon for uh, Wildbo, um, who is the author that, if you didn't know, wrote Pact, as well as a bunch of other great stuff. Um, and he's only able to do that full time because of his patrons who support him to do it. Uh, so go be one
1: of them. Uh, And so apart from that, we'll see everyone on Monday, the 9th of December for CineDA 14.4. We will see you then.